Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Crypto. Today, we're talking Coinbase Pro mobile app getting released. We got Coinbase Custody supporting new tokens. That's right. And then finally, in the main topic, we're talking Bitcoin and the next recession. That's right. There's a lot of shit going down, and we need to talk about how Bitcoin fits into all that. Let's do it. Thriller Crypto, starting now. from around the world gather around gather around we have a exciting episode of thriller crypto today is october 10th 2019 10 2019 and uh yeah my name is kai gonzalez we're about to talk everything cryptocurrency bitcoin and all the flavors that are out there all the possibilities protocols blockchains dlt call it what you like we're covering it all today Okay, let's jump into the news. First up, we got Coinbase Pro Mobile app got released. Yeah, didn't know that we needed one, but it got released today by Coinbase. And this enables traders to capitalize on market conditions at any time, wherever they are. So I went ahead and installed it. The UI is very sticky. I will say that. I'll give them that. Coinbase has always been great about creating a a good mobile app. They're, They're just really great at creating good shit (laughs) right the ui is very is very nice some of the few features that have been requested more from a mobile trading experience have been usability mobility but everybody wanted to see the charts because it's all about the charts baby and this is what they're providing in this new mobile app it's still you know kind of small there's real-time candles depth charts order books and advanced order types But uh, what really sets us apart from other trading crypto apps is these intuitive kind of shortcuts that they have. And currently right now, they can access more than 50 trading pairs. And uh, yeah, it's available in 100 plus countries only on iOS. That's kind of a bummer because most crypto people and Bitcoin people use Android. So hopefully they'll, you know, release that at some point. But um, it's a good first start. It's a good first start. I... Frankly, we'll probably, you know, well, you know what? Let's give it some time. Let's see what happens. Okay, another Coinbase news coming right out the gate. That's right. They're about to support Telegram Open Network, which is GRM, Solano SOL, and Orchid. That's right, OXT, Coinbase Custody, that is. Yeah, so they announced support for secure storage of GRM, SOL, and OXT, each with their own respective launch. And of course, this is going to be a limited purpose trust company chartered and regulated by the New York Department of Financial Services. We all know Coinbase Custody has met the high standards of the NYDFS and as a qualified custodian under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. It's a long time. It's like over 80 years. Anyways, (laughs) Coinbase Custody is the world's leading and largest crypto native custodian. And they're currently hiring right now if you're. If you're interested, (laughs) 
this all sounds like a Coinbase plug. Oh man, it's not. Trust me. And then five, and then in our biggest probably piece of news of the day, the CFTC, our guy, our new older crypto brother from another mother, Heath Tarbert. That's right. He just took over as CFTC chairman for Crypto Dad. That's right. Crypto Dad, as you know, <laughs> got tangled in a web of lies. Maybe, maybe the truth. Who knows? But uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Anyways, he's booted out. We got Heath in and this guy is rolling in like a boss to the cryptocurrency space. He just announced today that Ether is a commodity and expect some Ether futures because they're coming. They're going to show up. And this is not new news. We've been talking about how Ether is going to be the next big crypto when it comes to futures contracts. It just finally happened. And uh, what a splash he made. Can can we get him to please uh, regulate the SEC? <laughs> Anyways, take a listen to the announcement. In 2018, Yahoo Finance interviewed Bill Hinman from the Securities and Exchange Commission at our All Markets Summit out in San Francisco. And at that time last year, he clarified the SEC's stance on Bitcoin and Ether, saying that neither were a security. And I just want you to clarify the CFTC's stance on Bitcoin and Ether. Sure, sure. Happy to do that. And But before I do it, I think one of the things I'd like to say, because I haven't, this is, I think, my first big public appearance as chairman, is I wanted to stress the importance of blockchain and, and, and digital assets uh, to the United States. And in particular, as, as CFTC chairman, I really want the U.S. to lead in this technology. I don't want another country to lead. I want the United States to lead, because whoever leads in this technology is going to end up writing the rules of the game. So then we come to the question, well, what is the role of the CFTC? Um, and it's very interesting because I think the CFTC's role is to ensure there's integrity in the markets. Uh, and we want these markets to develop in, in a way that has integrity. So under the Commodity Exchange Act, we regulate commodities. A commodity is a very broad definition. I'm not going to give it to you now, but essentially if you have to say that a movie ticket is not a commodity, which is in our statute, it covers a lot of financial contracts. If it's a security, it gets kicked out. So to your question, Scott, we've been very clear on, 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 on Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a commodity under the Commodity Exchange Act. We haven't said anything about Ether until now. Uh, it is my view as chairman of the CFTC that Ether is a commodity, and therefore it will be regulated under the CEA. And my guess is that you will see in the near future uh, Ether-related futures contracts and other uh, derivatives potentially traded. So you're hearing this all for the first time. This is first on Yahoo Finance. Breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, it's my conclusion personally, uh, as, but as chairman of the CFTC, that Ether is a commodity and therefore would fall under our jurisdiction. Why a commodity, though? So the commodity definition is very broad, as I, as I mentioned. And, and the way that it works is most things are commodities, particularly financial contracts or stores of value. Securities are commodities, but they're kicked out of the way the statute works, and the SEC regulates those. So it's, as long as it's not a security, it, it basically falls within the definition of a commodity. And I would encourage all of you, to the extent you have time, the SEC has gone through and essentially uh, laid out an analysis of when a crypto asset is a security or not. Um, so it's a very interesting test, but essentially, if it's being used 
as an investment and you're making an investment in a crypto asset and that crypto asset um, is a common enterprise and you think you're going to derive profits from the work of others uh, as opposed to the intangible value of the crypto asset itself, then it's more likely to be a security. This is the Howey test from 1946. It was a landmark SEC case that kind of determined the framework for what a security is. But we should just point out, Ether is the second largest cryptocurrency. It's got a market cap of about $20 billion. Bitcoin is obviously the most valuable cryptocurrency with a market cap of $150 billion. You mentioned the possibility of Ether derivatives, Ether futures. Do you think that happens this year? I think it's entirely possible. And I mean, we've got a few months left in this year, so I would say within the next 12 months, I think you could absolutely see that, maybe even sooner than 12 months. Would there be enough demand for Ether futures? It's a great question. Uh, uh, I think we're going to let the markets decide that, but I definitely think there's interest in our regulated platforms in, in, uh, in, in trying it out. I mean, and when you look at the history of futures contracts and commodities, some of them have been trading over 100 years. The number two corn contract, for example, uh, and its predecessors have been around for a long time. So just because it doesn't necessarily uh, have a lot of open interest or demand immediately doesn't mean that it, that it won't. Well, and it's not like you're not experienced in this world. I mean, Bitcoin futures are a thing. How has that been going? Any takeaways as a regulator? No, it, it's been going well. And one of our things is to make sure that that market has integrity. I mean, our role as a regulator is to make sure that when you enter into a futures trade, uh, you can be sure that the markets are transparent, that the price you see for Bitcoin on the futures represents uh, all the demand and, and supply, at least that's available through a well-regulated transparent exchange. And so we hope that's going to be the case for everything. And that's why we're seeing a lot of these products actually migrate to the federally regulated CFTC system because it's been around for all decades. And well, and, and there's a distinction between, in terms of your regulation, spot versus futures. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. So the CFTC is a financial regulator. We regulate derivatives. Uh, the, we regulate derivatives that are based upon underlying commodities. But we don't actually regulate the commodities themselves. Uh, um, we regulate the derivatives, the futures, swaps, and options. However, if you think about it, if there's problems in the spot market, if there's manipulation and there's fraud, for example, that will affect the futures markets. It'll undermine the integrity of them. So the way Congress did it a long time ago is we essentially have regulatory authority over the derivatives markets, but we have fraud and manipulation enforcement authority in the spot markets. So we can actually go after actors in the spot markets that aren't regulated by the CFTC, that are trading in these types of assets that ultimately undermine what's going on in our markets. But will the price go up? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And our last piece of news, UNICEF is now accepting donations through Bitcoin and Ether. That's right. Christopher Fabian, principal advisor at UNICEF Innovation, said the initiative would prepare the organization for the future while also maintaining safeguards built into existing donor systems. He says, we see this as a piece of learning that we'll need to go through to prepare for the next decade. There's an interest in speed and efficiency we have a good capacity to move money globally, but there's always friction, always friction. As you know, recent years have seen a mushrooming of cryptocurrencies. Even Facebook launched its own coin, the Libra, in 2019. Well, technically they didn't. Interest from philanthropic organizations in virtual currencies have seen the creation of AidCoin and PinkCoin tailored for the kind of, um, you know, the aid sector. 
UNICEF joins a number of aid agencies that have started accepting donations in virtual coins, including the American Red Cross and UN World Food Program. Pretty cool news. Pretty cool news. And that's all we got for news today. That's it. That's the whole kit and caboodle, as they say. All right. With that, let's jump into. That's right. Interesting video of the day. Thriller podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. When you think of the crypto space and the Bitcoin space, who do you think is the biggest, I guess, pumper out there? Who pumps the lifeblood into Bitcoin and crypto? Who is the the person that's out there that's saying, we need more this, we need more that, we need more this, we need more that? I can only think of one person that's doing this. Seriously, well, actually, there's multiple people. But when I think of the biggest Bitcoin crypto bull out there there's only one person that comes to mind and his head looks like the front of a bull because he sees the future and he wears the coolest jackets you ever did see his name is mike novogratz (laughs) and he's talking with crypto ran about what this next bitcoin cycle and altcoin cycle will bring to the space check this out mike first of all i saw you earlier this year and i said to you I think there's going to be another bull run. And you looked at me and you said to me, there isn't. This time it's only going to be Bitcoin. I guess the the bull run came with Bitcoin, even though now we're taking a bit of a breather. Um, Did you expect this breather? Yeah, you know, listen, I was hoping we we held 8,800. Chart-wise, I thought 8,800 would be in the consolidation zone. Now that we've broken it, you know, it, op- it opens up a little lower consolidation. Uh, that said, I still think medium term we go back higher. Uh, I do think Bitcoin's its own animal relative to the rest of cryptocurrencies. Uh, it's won the lane of store of value, of digital gold. What we're waiting for is adoption. And we're seeing pipes built for making it easier and easier for people to buy Bitcoin. You know, when we get an ETF, that would be great. But you don't get an ETF until you get... Uh, a fair pricing and now we've got the back future uh, and I think in six to nine months with the back future pricing you can go to the SEC and say hey if you don't trust the New York Stock Exchange who do you trust? The market was a little bit disappointed by the backed futures a lot of people said that the market went down because we were expecting back to be this big bang were you expecting backed on the first day to do millions and millions of contracts? I absolutely wasn't so I was surprised that the market was expecting That's it exactly and it. you know you had a little bit of buy the rumor sell the fact market price action Listen, it takes time for any exchange, any business, to onboard customers, to get people excited, to get people to get trusted. It's a new product. New product. product. And so if you want to look it back and or criticize it or praise it, wait for six months to a year. If they haven't gotten the volume in six months to a year, well, then we can call Jeff Sprecher up and give him hell. Do you think that Bact is, is going to get the traction? Is this the futures product that's actually going to create Bitcoin demand from institutions? You know, I think what's even more important than their futures product, to be fair, is that they're going to custody. And so, like, again, you're trying to get stodgy institutions or conservative institutions into this space. They want to feel good about their custody solution. And now you've got, again, Bact or the New York Stock Exchange, yeah, I like to say, because people trust that. Okay, but that's the news on Bitcoin. What about, you mentioned Bitcoin is its own animal and it's cemented itself 
What about the rest of the of the networks and the tokens? You know, when I looked earlier today, the total market cap of the entire market, other than Bitcoin, was around $60 billion. Now, you remove Ethereum from that, and you remove Ripple from that, XRP, you've got $30 billion for the entire crypto market. There was a lot of junk that raised capital that doesn't have sustainable promotion, right? So if you think about what most of these protocols are, or most of these tokens were, they are going to build ecosystems that are going to be used. And they're keeping their value in advance as speculative tokens. In order to keep speculative assets up, you need new buyers all the time. You need new energy all the time. You need news all the time. And so quite frankly, most of these products got liquidity way before they were supposed to. And that was just caught up in the enthusiasm of the crypto revolution. It was a mistake. And so now, listen, you have to look at all these as venture bets. Venture bets take, you know, six to 10 years. And so why Ethereum keeps its value is because A, there's the most likelihood that it becomes the, the blockchain that everything gets built on. And the one that gets built on, it's going to be valued because it's used, and it's also going to get some store of value. It's also going to be money. So is this a, a good time to be buying these things, or would you rather wait another year or two to really see which ones are the ones that are going to get massive you up? You know, I, I, I like a portfolio of a big chunk of Bitcoin. You got to have a little bit of Ethereum, and then you got to have a lot of venture. Uh, and the rest of these tokens, they're opportunistic. You know, if there's news coming out that's going to drive and we'll be getting long, if we see overvaluation and running out of news, we'll be getting short. Uh, there are a lot of really good protocols coming out. Definity, Algorand came out, Hashgraph came out. Here are big, big market caps with nobody in the sandbox. You need people in the sandbox. You need customers, developers, programmers, engineers to get GDP in your ecosystem. No GDP, no price. But if we do get adoption with something like Ethereum, if we do get that killer depth, that may all of a sudden... Listen, as you get indications of adoption and as you make positive, things will go up some. When you finally get real adoption, I think these coins will be valued both as, as you know, they said crypto fuels, right? We're going to use this for, for compute power, but it'll also get store of value. It'll be a money too. And, you know, that's that beautiful thing when things really rally. Yeah, he's right. I would say, because I remember when we rolled out the internet out there, I was around. I was around, right? I was, I'm a millennial, so I remember that. And I remember how it kind of happened. It was like slow. <laughs> it was slow and it happened over time. But it actually came because of education. And that's my biggest contribution to the space that I try to do is just educate with Bitcoin, educate with other cryptocurrencies, educate with inside protocols, with what's going on. You know, that's why I'm trying to build this whole like Bitcoin audio book to give away for free, because I think it's important to have something that's passive listening that people can understand Bitcoin and why it's important going forward. So that's why I'm trying to create that and do all this other stuff for free as contributions to the space, because that's how you really get to mass adoption. It's through education, and it always has been. With that, let's get to coin talk. Let's do it.
for coin talk but before we dive into that just got to do a couple things that's right a little a bit of talking here where we talk about what's going on with through the crypto and how's it going for car and the podcast and how we're doing <laughs> so i got an announcement to make as you know i have to take my certification later this month on the 28th of october so that's going to be a tough thing to do. Every year I have to take a certification. So this year I got to take it on the 28th and it's mandatory for my day job because, as you know, I'm a system administrator here in Austin, Texas. So it's always learning. It's continuous learning on top of already a long day <laughs> of everything. And then, uh, yeah, so this this podcast, everything that I do in crypto is an absolute blast. It's a lot of fun. It's something that I love doing and something that I always do. But I got to make sure that the bills get paid. <laughs> so for the next two weeks, uh, it's going to be the 14th through the 25th. There will be no Thriller Crypto, no Thriller News, no Thriller Crypto. I'm sorry. But if you are uh, looking for, you know, some some something to listen to, go check out ThrillerX.com. That's our website. You can listen to over 350 episodes that we've recorded, you know, over the long run. Skip the first season. <laughs> Maybe listen to the latter half of the first season. I feel like that's a little bit better than the beginning. The beginning of the first season is rough. And thank God we don't have our our old uh, gosh. What was the name of that application that we used to use back in the day? Gosh, what was the name of it? Not Audio Boo. It was. Uh, Gosh, it's on the app. Anyway, we have some old podcasts on this app that we used to record on. Um, anyway, and thank God those aren't saved because <laughs> those are some terrible podcasts. They're just me rambling. Kind of like what I do now. This was the whole podcast. <laughs> I haven't really gotten better. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll be back on the week of the 28th. And as you know, we have our yearly Halloween special. It's usually related to like Bitcoin or crypto. Go check out past years where we've done a Bitcoin related Halloween special. Anyways, we're going to do that again this year. So that week on the 28th, when I take my test, we'll record a Thriller News and then we'll also record a uh, crypto Halloween, crypto ween. I think that's what we call it. I'm not sure. I have to go back and look. Um, last year was the uh, what was it last year? It was the. Uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, where we talked about that scary story. <laughs> and so this year we'll probably talk about something else on, on crypto Halloween. So um, look for that to drop on the 31st, which is Halloween night. So that's going to be epic. And then we're still going to do our Thriller Crypto subscription shows, which is three a week. I'll probably record three live next week. So the 14th through the uh, 20th will be recorded live. Um, and then probably the 21st through the 20 or to the 27th, that's going to be pre-recorded stuff. So if you're signed up to the Thriller Crypto subscription the week of my test, because <laughs> I have to study every single night, like literally, like basically get off of work, stay up until like one or two, study way through. And then same thing, Saturday, wake up at like eight, study all the way till like my eyes bleed pretty much. Anyways, so do that. And then um, those are probably going to be pre-recorded, just a heads up. And I'll definitely let you know. If you're signed up to that. And then also, I want to thank a lot more people have subscribed to the subscription. So thank you for doing that. Um, as you know, it's free to sign up. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. We release free episodes through the week. Uh, well, actually through the week. No, about twice or twice or three times a month we release free episodes. But the vast majority of them aren't released for free. So sign up, get access to the free ones. And then when you're ready, sign up. It's only seven bucks a month. Yeah, pretty cool deal. 
pretty cool deal if you ask, if you ask me, especially if you want to hear more of this, you know? I like to think the SEC listens to Thriller Crypto secretly. So that's why I wrote this disclaimer. Remember, Thriller's podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful out there. This wonderful world of crypto and Bitcoin. You know, there's sometimes I think to myself, why is this beautiful world such an enchanting one? And why do we have such a beautiful cryptocurrency market? And why is the Bitcoin rising every day? After last week's hurrah during Coin Talk, I had to let go of our interns. That's right. I'm starting off brand new. We got a new guy. His name's Jose. He's going to do what he can. Jose, let's not be like Javier. Let's not be like Federico. Let's get this right. Oh, oh, I see what you're doing there, Jose, and I like it. This is how you start off Coin Talk, right? We got Bitcoin, baby. We got Bitcoin at $8,565. Call at your boy. We got the market cap. Let me tell you, this market cap is $230 billion. That's right, $230 billion. Billy. Yeah. Jose, uh, let's get that a little lower now, Jose. Gosh, I like your on cue. I love this. Bitcoin Cash, eh, 232. No one really cares. <laughs> no one really cares about Bitcoin Cash. I, I see. I like how you're doing this, Jose, because you're bringing it down when we start talking about downer coins, right? I mentioned Bitcoin SV. You play this. I remember some white paper um, back in 2008 had this section on how identity worked in Bitcoin. I remember reading it probably when I wrote it. <laughs> it's like one of the best clips of all time. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the market looks great right now. It's not spectacular, but Bitcoin is above the $8,500 resistance level. And honestly, if we can stay above this, we can grab hold, then we can forever go up higher. And investing it in Bitcoin. Yeah, so there was really only like two tokens I was looking at this week that was kind of watching. And one of them was Chainlink. That's right. If you remember, we got in that Chainlink car and we bought it at $1.66. It was nice. Oh, yeah, it was really nice. And so I was just cruising all week, seeing it go up. And I was like, you know what? Gosh, I might have to take this exit. I might have to take this next right. That's what I did. I took the right. I got off the freeway. And sure enough, yeah, I turned it to USDC, baby. USDC, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> turned it to USDC. And, you know, that's kind of that's kind of what I did this week. I mean, it's just massive profits, man. I, I, 
that's what I'm saying. If you're not making money in this cycle right now, I mean, you're just doing crypto wrong <laughs> at, this, at this point. There's opportunities out there. Another one was Cosmos, man. Like Cosmos is just ran here. And I took a little bit of that, too. You know, a little bit of sprinkle. And ultimately, all this is going for me, at least for me personally, this is all going back into Bitcoin. You heard it here first. Bitcoin is going to zero. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm, calm down there, Dan Pena. What are you talking about, bro? You can't say those things. You're scaring away the listeners. You can't say these things. Dan Pena, have some respect for Bitcoin. Have some respect. And I know who's behind Bitcoin. And it ain't some fucking Japanese guy in a cave. Whoa, whoa, dude. Dude, we're in the 21st century, bro. You can't talk like that no more. <laughs> can't talk like that no more. That is not appropriate. That is not age appropriate. Or, no, we don't need that. We don't need that kind of talk. We don't need that kind of talk on through the crypto. Please, stay away, Dan Pena. Don't come into our soundboard. So there's some coins out here right now in the coin market cap that I can guarantee you will be up 3x. Seriously, will be up 3x before the happening. How about that? Put that. I'll put that out there. I'll put that out there. Yeah, I will. I'll put that out there. There's three of them and I'm looking right at them. All right. If we're going to do it, though, if, if we're going to do this, let's let's get the mood right. OK, so Jose, give me a good track here. Let's do this right. Let's do this right. I'm looking at it right now, Decred. Seriously, $16.90. I know, and no one's buying it. <laughs> like, that is one that's just prime pickings. That is one I would select. Thank you very much. I'll select that one. The next one I'm looking at, and this is strictly, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, about making more Bitcoin for me. This is what I do, making more Bitcoin. This is what I'm looking at. Next one I'm selecting here, ladies and gentlemen, I'm selecting my next one, my next pick here. Whoa, Jose, suspense. I love it. I love it. Zcash. That's right. Zcash, man. Zcash literally is just surprising to me. It's only $37 right now. It was just up to $90, $120, not even two months ago. So Zcash is another one that I'm looking at specifically with Decred and wondering, where, where, where is all the investors gone? Because it's bottomed out. It's bottomed down. And so right now I look at Raven going right now and it's up like 12 percent. And I'm like, oh, my God, manufactured pump. If I ever seen one. <laughs> no, but we're not, we're not picking that one. That's not our third pick. Whoa, Jose, did you used to work at THX? Because your sound is amazing, brother. I love this, Jose. I love this. This is good stuff. And my final one. This is going to surprise a lot of people because I really don't talk about this coin very often. But there is one more out there that I'm looking at right now because it's so bottom barrel. It, it can't go any lower than it's already gone. It's golem. Yeah, right now it's literally at five cents. It wasn't too long ago. It was at 15 cents. And that wasn't very long ago. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to say. There is room to grow, ladies and gentlemen. There is room to grow out there in the cryptosphere. today, Jose. You know, I have to say, I was worried because I was like, you know what, maybe just Austin doesn't have interns that are good. <laughs> but after today, Jose, I realized 
gosh, we can make a great team. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. I feel like we got some good information in Coin Talk. We entertained the fuck out of them. <laughs> and then we also tried to drop some crypto knowledge. You know, maybe here, maybe there, Bitcoin knowledge, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see how the market reacts. It's going to be an interesting weekend. And remember, circle your calendars. October 23rd. That's right. Mark Zuckerberg is headed over to Congress. Woo-hoo. You know what that means. Bitcoin pump, baby. <laughs> OK, with that, let's get into our main topic. Today, we're talking Bitcoin and the recession. Now, this was a Thriller Crypto subscription episode that we released over a month ago. And the reason I want to share this with you all today is because I feel like we are on the, gosh, seems like on the edge of the cliff of what's about to hit us. And not enough people are expecting the unexpected when it comes to Bitcoin. Some of it is bullish and some of it is not. So try to keep an open mind and let's start the discussion with Bitcoin and the recession. What a day. What a day. We have the bond market 
signaling concerns about a possible recession with a yield curve inverting to its lowest level since 2007. The warning signal comes amid rising tensions due to the U.S. trade war with China and global economic slowdown. Yeah, there's alarm bells that are flashing right now. And despite the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates last month for the first time since 2008, a sign investors fear that the central bank may not be able to forestall an economic slowdown, as many analysts have noted. And if you don't know, uh, the inverted yield curve reflects concerns from investors that economic headwinds such as a trade war and a slowing global economy may impact future returns. And the stock market, of course, tumbled 800 points or almost 3.1%. And if you look at Germany and Europe's largest economy, they shrank. That's right, 0.1% today alone. And Bitcoin went underneath 10K today. Yeah, it's just, it's all over the place. We got a warning sign today in the form of a government bond. The interest rate on that bond dropped to levels that have been a reliable indicator that a recession is coming. Now that had investors dumping stock. Look at this, the Dow fell more than 3%. Don Daler is on Wall Street. The symbol of Wall Street might be a steadfast bull, but traders reacted like skittish colts to today's news. A key signal that a recession may well be just around the corner sent the Dow plunging 800 points. Diane Swank, chief economist at Grant Thornton, says investors are fleeing stocks for safety in bonds. The easiest way to understand it is that basically long-term rates, anything that's out there that's more than a year or two years or three years or four years, those rates are now lower than short-term rates. It means you're not willing to place a bet on the future. And that's the fear, is that this could actually trigger a credit crisis. But it doesn't mean a recession is imminent. Historically, it could take 18 to 24 months to arrive, if at all. In this case, a recession could come right around the 2020 election. The other factor influencing the market sell-off, a global economic slowdown. China, embroiled in a trade war with the U.S., reported its slowest growth figures since 1992. Japan's economic growth decreased to 1.8 percent. Germany's economy shrank with exports lagging, and much of Europe followed suit, with production plunging the most in three years as its economic expansion cools. look at the bigger picture on this we have to zoom out i think there's too, too many times we kind of zoom too in on uh, and focus in on what's going on in front of us as opposed to zooming out so if we, if we look at like everything that's going on we have the federal reserve the balance sheet reduction right we have goldman sachs they just released some information this week that they're calling for two more rate cuts starting in september that's what they're predicting um, and then we have of course china tariffs and the devaluing of its currency um, and then, of course, we have politics, United States politics, global politics, uh, promoting that the dollar is strong. And then we also have something called the debt game, right? These central banks are going behind the scenes and they're buying each other's debts. We talked about this, uh, I think, about two months ago in, in for a coin talk. What's called the, the end of uh, central banks. Go back, let's step. So 
But the vast majority of today is just pure emotion driving the market, uh, especially when you talk about a global recession. That's, that's, that's scary news, right? But how does this relate to Bitcoin? Because that's why you're listening to this right now. You want to know, hey, Carter, well, how does this relate to Bitcoin? Well, I've been doing some research today, and I think I think I have an idea of how this relates to Bitcoin. And I'm about to share that right now. So if we zoom out again, we have to take into consideration that there is a growing consensus out there that and I'm not the I'm not the only person that believes this, but people believe that Bitcoin is uncorrelated in a global recession. Most people are expecting Bitcoin to do well. This is what people say. This doesn't mean this to be truth, but this is a growing consensus out there that Bitcoin was born in a recession and will thrive in it. This is what the vast majority of the crypto space believes. But if you take into consideration the global financial crisis, like in 2008, right, that level, like what it seems like is going on, you know, this year or next year, people will be strapped for cash because that's how it was in 2008. People were strapped for money. Uh, You had uh, retail investors um, currently right now in this space holding the vast majority of Bitcoin. So what's going to happen when a recession hits, like a global financial crisis like it like happened in 2008? Well, people are going to be strapped for cash, right? So short term, definitely Bitcoin is going down predominantly because you'll have people that need to withdraw money and then also the market trades down. So, of course, it becomes more fearful, just like today. We had Bitcoin go from 11.5, I believe it was, crash down underneath underneath 11, continue to go down. It's just a major flash crash happened today. Total of 20 billion just wiped from the global market cap, right? So people get fearful. People will start selling their Bitcoin towards cash, especially retail traders. And that's the majority of this whole crypto market. But this is what happens in the initial period, right? Because what happens initially is a domino effect and people will get scared and they'll maybe think, oh, maybe it's not a store of value, you know, maybe they'll start converting and it just ends up becoming, okay, well, I guess it's not a store of value. So it just starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy at, at that point. Right. And there's nothing you can do about that. It's just, it's just the, the way emotion reacts to a market like that. But you got to also look at what the market looks like before a recession happens. So today, for example, we had uh, Bitcoin fall down close to $2,000 today, right? And this is just on the, on the, I guess I wouldn't call it the eve, but on the announcement that there is going to be a recession, right? So this, it fell off, right? If, if the market reacted and it fell off, and this is what happened before a recession happens. So in essence, it's really a matter of risk mitigation. Okay, take a listen to Sheba Joffrey. She's with Goldman Sachs. I know, I know what you're thinking, but she's an analyst there and she understands human behavior and how emotion plays in to how people feel markets psychology works. I love this quote by Keynes. The market can remain irrational longer than 
you can remain solvent. <laughs> there are really two problems with the efficient market hypothesis. Firstly, the fact that information is disseminated equally to every market participant. And secondly, most importantly, that you and I will process that information in a similar rational manner, the same every time. So we'll tackle the first problem. The onset of computers, the internet, access to information, all of that has helped to improve the speed by which we access information. And that's efficiency enhancement, no doubt about it. But on the contrary, technology doesn't always make markets more rational. In fact, I would argue that while traditional inefficiencies of the past, such as delays in access to information, are diminishing, we're getting new types of inefficiencies. So let me give an example. We didn't have the internet 30 years ago. Now we have probably far too many sources of information. Mm -hmm. These provide contradictory truths, unreliable data points, noise. And as a result, information is asymmetrical and imperfect. Not to mention there's a number of structural constraints that impact agents and create pockets of inefficiencies. And that can be as basic as your accounting constraints, regulations on when investors need to close their books at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year. And they will tend to trigger outsized moves. People optimizing for different time horizons, different mandates, liquidity constraints, the list goes on. And the way that I see it, I mean, if we kind of turn the, the question on its head, there are agents and then there's aggregates of those agents. So the question isn't whether the agents are rational. I have no doubt that you and I are rational human beings. The question is really whether or not the aggregates of those agents, the marketplace itself, is irrational. In my opinion, the mere fact that we have the existence of bubbles indicates that markets are still run by emotions, fear, greed, and hope. And just to name a few, we, we had the dot-com bubble, we had housing crisis, silver bubble, Asian financial crisis, and just last year, Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. And there are a number of reasons why a bubble can develop. In essence, it's a narrative. Whether it's rational or irrational doesn't matter. It triggers a human and machine-driven reaction, which will impact the way that someone looks at their trading decisions. And the other thing that I would mention about bubbles, which a lot of times when people have this discussion, they don't really bring up this topic, is that at the onset of a bubble, the perfectly rational thing to do is to trade the bubble, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the trick is to not stay in it longer yeah. <laughs> than you need to. Greater right? fool theory, Yeah, right? exactly. But let's be honest, in hindsight, we would have all wanted to buy Bitcoin in 2015, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say some of the questions that people are asking, we've been in a 30-year bond market rally. Two-year yields have gone from 7% to less than 2% over the course of the past 10 years, less than 10 years. We all know that it can't go that much more than zero. Clients are wanting to know what that means for bonds, what that means for equities, what that means for the macro environment. And on top of that, we're seeing this stark breakdown in correlations. Bonds have rallied in an almost straight line since October of last year, and S&P dropped 20% from October to December, 25% rally from December through to April. So your classic economics textbook will tell you that higher bonds mean lower yields and therefore easy money, which should stimulate the economy. Mm -hmm. But we've seen a number of instances this past few years where those standard relationships have broken down. So in contrast, technical analysis focuses less on those equilibrium theories and more on the context of the market and the aggregation of those market psychologies. I'd say one thing people aren't asking about, which I think is interesting, is Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, a year and a half ago, was probably the most popular Everyone topic. was asking about Everyone that. was asking about it. I got, I've got one or two clients. You guys know who you are, but... <laughs> well, it's back a little bit right now. So at least, uh, I don't know if it's a bubble, but it's back. 
And that was recorded about a month ago. So she was pretty right on about the whole market sentiment, pretty right on about bonds, equities. Um, so today, today, exactly today, is that trial run, right? I think it's really going to depend on the nature of this next recession that we have this trial run, and we just did. And the market reacted, and now Bitcoin is at 97.72 at the recording of this podcast. And I think this is psychologically a good idea. <laughs> in, in a way, you got to look at it like this. If if Bitcoin was at 3,000 and, and this happened, what then happens to Bitcoin? Does it go back to zero, right? Who, who knows, right? But I will I will say, if, if it's Bitcoin is at a higher threshold, 18,000, of course, well, people are going to take, you know, psychologically, people will take money off the table. They just will. But one thing that, that kind of probably scares me out of everything is the reality of the price of electricity minus, uh, minus the cost of the whole mining system. Because you got to you got to think about it. Like this whole mining ecosystem that exists, um, if Bitcoin falls in value and if these miners aren't um, able to operate at lower costs, um, there increases the chance of a 51% attack, which could increase the chances of an even major downturn. But most miners out there do dedicate their hash power toward Bitcoin because at the end of the day, Bitcoin is a self-fulfilling prophecy onto itself. People believe that value is going to go up over time, so people will continue to dedicate their hash power towards it. But if a global recession happens, there should be miners falling off. They just can't sustain, right? What happened when we had the last <laughs> Great Depression? Well, people freaked out, pulled money from banks, and there was, you know, new laws in place, you know, and people were lined up at banks, and, and, and the government learned a great deal from that. Uh, they, they learned that the FDIC actually had to guarantee their deposits up to $250,000. So if we look at crypto, and this is all new, because at the end of the day, like, this has never been... Bitcoin and other crypto assets have never been battle tested like this. They just, even though we feel like they're very important, but if we zoom out, we zoom out and we look at it at a macro level, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency has never been battle tested this hard. Uh, this next recession, this next global recession, I should say, is going to be Bitcoin's first big battle test. Uh, it, it's going to be big. And make no mistake, we are going to see a drop in price. I think. If you listen to anybody that says that's not going to happen, gosh, I hope I'm wrong, <laughs> right? But I'd rather I'd rather be smart about it and look at it from a, a nuance approach and, and a zoomed out approach and look at the whole kind of economics behind it. Because if uh, everybody's pulling money and if they're pulling money from their exchanges, you know, what deposit ratio do those exchanges hold? You know, that's something that we don't even talk about, right? Uh, I think um, Trace Mayer had said, let's, let's have proof of keys day, right? This past January, let's pull all of our Bitcoin off of those exchanges. That he wanted to do that yearly, right? I don't think it, I think we had a, a kind of a shakeup, but I don't think it got to a point to where we found out what the deposit ratio for some of the exchanges were. I, we know they have cold storage. We hope they do, right? Most of these, they do. At least the regulated ones in the United States. 
But if we suddenly start pulling all of our crypto from these large exchanges, what happens then? Do they have enough to cover all retail investors? That's another thing you gotta think about, right? So there's this whole exchange level of it. There's this whole miner level of it because mining plays a big impact, especially if miners start falling off because they couldn't afford the prices of electricity. And that increases the chance of 51% attack on Bitcoin's blockchain, which increases the chances of a big downturn even more. You have the price and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Do people think it's a store value or it doesn't? There's a lot of what ifs. And one thing that we can we know for certain is that Bitcoin hasn't been battle tested. But this time, we will find out. We will find out just how battle tested it is. Okay, I hope that's enough information for you in regards to Bitcoin and the next recession. I, I really wanted to make sure that we provided some kind of value today because uh, I really was, was wondering to myself. I, I didn't see this talk out there. I didn't see people talking about this or I didn't see people asking these type of questions. We need to start that discussion now so we can understand as a crypto culture and as a, a crypto um, economy, right? And, and, and this industry, we need to find out like what is all of these variables and what impact does it likely have uh, for us holding the vast majority of assets. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Bitcoin and the Recession. If you want more insights into the crypto space, into the whole global economy, check out our Thriller Crypto subscription. It's free. It doesn't cost anything to sign up. We give about three free episodes a month. And um, at any point, you can always upgrade and get access to the whole thing. With that, let's get on to the end of the show.
right, ladies and gentlemen, the Thriller Crypto is Dunsies, baby. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to listen to more of us, check out ThrillerX.com, ThrillerX.com, ThrillerX.com. That's where we got all our episodes. If you want some more of this lovely Thriller Crypto subscription, check out our newsletter. It's in the show notes. Check out our Telegram if you want to talk. I'll be gone studying for two weeks. I'll see you after those two weeks. Hopefully, Bitcoin is at 16K. <laughs> My Bitcoin can save the world. This is the end of the show. Satoshi at a time.